in a previous letter um, talking about fighting the good faith and finding trustworthy men to be able to help and support him. And then we find ourselves opening Second Timothy. Uh, Paul writes in verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. He opens up identifying himself, and as we always see Paul do, he ties his identity extremely closely to the person of Jesus Christ. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Simply put, that's how he identifies himself. Um, it's, it's nice for, for me to be able to introduce myself and to be, we generally as men, and we're seeing kind of Paul kind of do this, um, you introduce yourself and people immediately ask you, what do you do? That's for some reason men seem to identify themselves a lot by their occupation. Um, so when I introduce myself, I can say, hi, my name is Matt. I'm a pastor at Glenwood Springs Baptist Church. It's an, for me, it's an easy introduction into talk, having a spiritual conversation with people because when you say pastor and church, uh, it kind of perks up the ears of, okay, I know what I'm dealing with. Um, so it's, it's nice for me because it kind of takes away any of that awkward, how do I introduce a spiritual conversation to people? Like, hey, I'm a carpenter. Do you know Jesus? You know, it's kind of a hard segue right into there, and it's kind of nice to be able to do it. But you see Paul identifying himself from the beginning as an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Verse 2, he's writing to Timothy. He says, To Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that it in thee also. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. For the which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. I love this section of verses. Um, and when we came up with this um, section of verses 7 and 8 for our theme verse, we, we gave a couple options and we, we um, had the verses out. And it was a pretty much, if I'm remembering correctly, a unanimous decision. Everybody um, was very much in favor in it. And I love the main point found in verses 6 and 8. Um, look back up at verse 6. It says, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God. Some other translations and other ways of looking at it talks about um, fanning into flame. It gives this idea of like a fire and a flame and fanning it. Um, those of you who have ever 
um, tried, and this might happen later, at the s'mores bar. Um, but when you're dying, when the fire's dying out, you kind of got to blow on it. You got to fan it, give it some oxygen, give it some life. Um, if you're like me, you're the guy that just wants to blow the fire out and ruin everyone's day. Um, but you see this idea and this fanning into flame, the gift of God. Fanning it into flame. And Paul is encouraging Timothy using this imagery of fire and a flame. A flame is something that is incredibly strong. There's a lot of power that comes with it. It creates this big picture and having a white-hot mentality to it. He's, he's talking to Timothy. He understands that Timothy is saved. In verse 5, he mentions about, he talks about the faith that was once in his grandmother Lois and also in his mother. And he closes verse 5 by saying, and I am persuaded that it is in thee also. He's, he's showing to Timothy that he understands the spiritual lineage from which he comes. Um, when, when the teens came up and they talked about influences in their lives, you heard about parents. You heard about grandparents. You hear about mentors. Um, Timothy didn't have a father who played a great spiritual role in his life. But he had a mother. He had a grandmother. And he had Paul. And when we look at this, I love it because especially in reference with youth, we get this idea of each individual um, who comes to faith in Christ can have a spiritual mentor. It doesn't have to be someone within the home. Now, that's obviously something that's encouraged, but it's incredible to see the role that a grandmother can play, um, as many of them mentioned, and um, from my own personal experience as well. But in verse 6, he gives them this idea to stir up the gift of God, and we're going to see what it is that this is. And in verse 7, again, 7 and 8, For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, Put yourself back into um, your shoes when you were a teenager. If you were, if you were a, belie- a believer when you were a teenager, think about how many times you went out and shared the gospel with somebody. Was it something that was extremely common in your life? Um, I know for me, um, I was always saying that I was saved when I was a teenager and when I was young. Um, but it's incredible because anytime if someone wanted to have a spiritual conversation with me, I'm going to find any way out of it that I can. I'm going to say, yeah, I, went to ch- I go to church. And I don't want them to ask any more questions. I was afraid. I was timid. I was worried about what they might think. I was ashamed of what I was claiming to be. Ashamed of it. It, I wasn't going out of my way to share anything. And it wasn't until I was 17 and that I actually truly came to a point of salvation in my life. And ever since then, and I I can clearly know that that is when I came to Christ because after that, any any being ashamed of the gospel was gone. because when you truly recognize what it is that God has done for you, when you truly think about the cross, when you look at the gospel and think about what Jesus Christ did and who he is, there is nothing about that to be ashamed of. That should be the one thing that's always on our lips, ready to tell people. Um, instead of what it is that I do, what it is that I'm good at, it should be, hey, I'm mad. I'm a pastor at, the, at Glenwood Springs Baptist Church, and I am saved by grace by the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is how we should be introducing ourselves. That should be the first thing that people see about us. And I love this verse because it's just as much an encouragement for me as it is for the students. We have not been given a spirit of fear. Fear in evangelism is not something that God creates. The enemy loves to use fear, doesn't he? Satan loves to put doubt and fear into your heart. He wants to tell you, hey, you don't know how they're going to respond. They may not want to talk to you again if you tell them about Jesus. You don't want to do that. Or they might laugh at you. They might make fun of you. 
And for a teenager, that's one of the worst things that can happen. School, you guys all remember what high school was like. High school is a terrible place. It's horrible. College gets a little bit better, depending on where you go. But high school is, it's rough. Kids can be extremely mean. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And verse 8, Be not ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. This morning, I just want to ask, are you ashamed of the gospel? Are you ashamed of it? If you've come and you, you, we've claimed to, to follow Christ and that we're a believer in him, are we ashamed to share that with other people? Have we gone out of our way to share the gospel with people, to make him known, to give him glory through the way that we talked, through the way that we share the gospel with other people? Because Paul is encouraging Timothy, hey, you're going to endure some trials. He talks about suffering these afflictions. He's not giving Timothy the idea that, hey, you're going to be a young leader. You're going to be at a church. Um, people are just going to love you. It's going to be great at all times. Paul is writing as someone who was in chains, who was imprisoned because of his faith, because he was speaking out. Paul identifies himself as a prisoner of the gospel. Verse 9, and it's talking about Christ. It says, Who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. There is an incredible promise, an incredible truth in that verse. And when Heather shared her testimony, she talked about this understanding that from the very beginning, God knew everything that was going to happen. Everything that happens from now until forever, God has planned it. It is planned. It's all in his purpose. There's such great comfort in that truth, isn't there? that we're not left wondering what it is that's going to happen, but we, do, we can rest in the fact that God knows that God is sovereign over everything. He has complete control. Paul, a man who writes letters of encouragement from prison, we don't see him moping and saying, man, God is, God is being so unfair to me. I can't believe that this would happen. But he understands what we see in Romans 8.28. He understands the truth that all things work for the good of those who love him. It's an incredible promise within this verse, and I just love 2 Timothy, and, and I'm not going to um, go on too long, but I want us to, to truly understand that this courage that is given, Timothy has been given great courage to be able to share the gospel. He's going out. He's seeking to minister in his life. He's a younger man going out and doing this. He's a young person to go out against affliction, against suffering, and to minister in, in a terrible city that wants nothing to do with God. It's Basically, Las Vegas of the Bible times, for good understanding. And he's telling them to fan into flame that courage. Be courageous. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of it. Flip over to Acts chapter 4, just quickly, in verse 31. Because he's telling them that when you're, when you're feeding this flame, when you're fanning, it, fanning this flame, and you're unashamed in sharing the gospel, and when you are suffering and you have the courage to do so, you can know where it's coming from. You know where it's coming from because it's not always easy. And we see this power of God that comes into them that allows them to do this. Chapter 4, verse 31. 
of Acts, he says, And when they had prayed, this is talking about the disciples, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. We're not left alone. And, and we talk about this a lot, and t- always encouraging um, young people with this, but it's not when, the, the common question is, what do I say? What am I supposed to say if someone asks me what I believe? My answer is, what you believe. It's simple. Anyone who has come to a point of salvation can, should be able to clearly explain the gospel. They talk about what they believe. Talk about who Christ is. Christ is the Son of God. He came down from heaven, lived a perfect and sinless life, which led him to death on a cross to atone for our sins. Amen? It's incredible. The gospel is such a simple, simple message. And it's the same simple message that each and every one of us need every morning when we wake up. Preaching it to ourselves daily. He's calling to remembrance these things, saying, Timothy, don't forget what it is that you believe. Don't forget what it is that you have inside of you. You have the Spirit of God. The power of God has given you the courage to do these things. And much like the disciples, you can speak the word with boldness. We can do that. Paul always introduces his letters with some form of grace to you. He understands that that it's everything that we do in our lives, everything that is ever going to be done is simply by the grace of God. And as he's writing, I love that if you look at every single letter, and I didn't realize this until recently, every single letter with no exceptions begins with some form of extending grace to the recipient of that letter. Incredible. Grace be to you because he understands that he is authoring what it is that God is telling him. He understands that he's giving the word of God, the things that's going to empower Timothy in this case. And if you look at any letter, he always closes it with grace with you or grace be with you. He understands that this grace that is imparted, that as they come to understand it, that it's going to remain with them. Because even Christ himself, when he left this earth, promised that a comforter would come, that the spirit would come and be with us. Which is the thing that gives us the power to overcome anything which is the power that allows us to speak with boldness. Are you thankful for the Spirit encouraging us and emboldening us to give us the strength to do that? Paul is telling Timothy, he's writing to him, he understands that he's young. He understands, though, that he has genuine faith, genuine authentic faith in Christ, and he's going out into the world to be a minister of the gospel, which is what each and every one of us want for young people. Isn't that right? to see young people pursuing God, pursuing the gospel, and seeking to share that with their peers, even with their own families, to be ministers of the word and to be able to share the gospel. And it's with this verse that you can look and say, I don't need to be ashamed of it. I don't need to be afraid of the conversation. I might suffer um, some mocking. I might suffer some scorn. I may have relationships that aren't always going to be as strong. But if I am being true to the word, true to the gospel, and I have the courage to stand up, God will be glorified in that. And that's the goal of everything that we do. It's just an incredible promise. Um, and a lot of that, I understand, is um, more pointed towards, towards youth. But again, all of us believers are called to be ministers of the gospel. We're called to proclaim the gospel and to share it with everybody that we know. And we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be ashamed because the Spirit gives us the courage and gives us the strength to do that.
And I'm gonna tell I'm gonna tell you a lot of them did not want to get up in front of anybody and talk. It makes them uncomfortable. But they still stand up, wearing a shirt that says unashamed with the cross on it, and being able to say that they believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's incredible. And they can only do that with the power of the Spirit. Let's pray. God, thank you today. God, I thank you that that you allow us simply just to look at your word briefly and that you give us this, this spirit and this power of this power of you and that we're able to clearly articulate you with other people, God. We thank you that, that there's no ordinary testimony. There's, there's no boring testimony of I was saved when I was young and nothing else really happened. That it's always incredible when a person comes to know you as Lord and Savior. That we look at the cross and God, there's no, there's no ordinary salvation. There's nothing ordinary about your son hanging on a cross atoning for our sins. Father, I pray that each and everything that we do whether we are young or we are old, that everything that we would do would be to glorify you and to magnify the gospel and that we would bring others to a saving faith in your son, Jesus Christ. God, I thank you for, for the young people that are able to stand up and be able to show you and be able to talk about um, how they clearly believe in you and they proudly do so. God, I thank you that You've allowed many people to grow up in a Christian home and that there's parents who, who are so committed to the gospel and so committed to their role as parents that they're willing to disciple their own children. And God, there's nothing greater than being able to disciple your own child. Father, I pray that anyone that is left uh, wandering alone and that, that doesn't have someone above them being able to train them and to help them understand the gospel and to be able to help them understand your word that that they would seek out a mentor. And Father, I pray that, that able mentors would be seeking out young people that they can buy into, that they can uh, just live life with them and they can have pure discipleship, being able to show them from your word how great you are, being able to, to open up your word, teaching them how to read the Bible and how to have their own faith. God, I just pray that we would have disciples and we would have disciple makers. And, and God, it's so easy in a small town like this to be able to to spread the gospel and everybody sees each other everywhere that we go and God I just pray that you would do a great work in Glenwood Springs that you would allow these young people to enter into their schools and be ministers of your word throughout the school and God we know there's going to be opposition we know that there's going to be um, affliction and there might be uh, various forms of suffering throughout but I pray that you would give them your power, that you would give them the power of your spirit to be able to give them the courage to stand and boldly speak the gospel. Father, we just thank you for your son. We thank you for, we thank you for Christ. We thank you for his work on the cross, and we thank you that we can have redemption. And God, we just thank you that you've planned this from the very beginning, that you're in control of all things, and we can rest in your promises. Father, we thank you for that this day. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.